0: Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, starting off today with what's up for women around the country with an otherwise mole. And don't forget, if you'd like to be a mole for us, a woman's newshound in your part of the country, let us know. You can drop us an email on otherwise at or you can send us a message on Facebook page, our Facebook page, which is otherwise on SAFM. But for today, our mole is Sepi Matlocha. She is the editor and co-founder of Africa Lifestyle Magazine and founder of the Dream Girls Outreach Program based in Lampopo. And we have her on the line. Hi, Tsepi. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm so well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. How are things going in Lampopo? What's the day like today?
1: Um, Actually,
0: today I'm, I'm in Pretoria. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. um, just... I, I believe you're based in Limpopo and, and yeah. you're, you're joining us today to give us a bit of a sense of what's happening in your neck of the woods and especially with issues yeah. facing women in Limpopo. Can you give us an idea? Sepi? Sorry, please say that again. Hello. Hi. Are you, you can hear me? Yeah, now I can hear okay. you. Okay. I was just saying that you're joining us today to give us a sense of what's happening in your neck of the woods in terms of issues facing women in Limpopo.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, good afternoon to to, to the listeners. Uh, I don't know how I do not say that. <laughs> um, uh, um, we just we um, sorry. Um, okay. Oh yes. Okay. I think I think you're breaking. This,
0: it's, it's, this, this isn't this isn't a, a good line. Yeah, Tippy, okay. we're going we're going to try and get you back on on the line, uh, Tippy. Just, uh, just hold on for us there. Sephi Matolka, she's the editor and co-founder of Africa Lifestyle Magazine. She's also the founder of the Dream Girls Outreach Program, and we've asked her to to come on uh, the show today to talk about what's up with women in Limpopo because we're doing a series called The Otherwise Mole. And if you'd like to be a mole for us, just uh, give us a shout. It's uh, otherwise on safm.co.za, or you can send us a message on Facebook page. It's otherwise on SAFM, and we're really looking to get a sense of what's going on with women around the country. We don't get much of an opportunity to hear what's going on in terms of uh, the nooks and crannies around South Africa, so we're looking for issues facing young and old women alike, and I think we've got Sepi back on the line. Hi, Tsepi. Yeah, hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right, well, let's start, Tippi, with, with speaking about your Africa Lifestyle magazine. I'm sure you do address women's issues there. Tell us a little bit more, more about the magazine.
1: Um, Africa Lifestyle is Africa's premium online magazine. Uh, the magazine personifies all good things and luxury, and our target market is anybody between the ages of uh, 65, I mean 25 to 65, uh, mostly the working class. We don't only focus on on material things, but we also um, do empowerment type of content. Um, we our content includes our healthy life, healthy living, uh, investments, travel, real estate, and ethnic fashion, amongst others.
0: And is it is it specifically focused on Nampopo, or is it an as a national focus? It, it, it's on national
1: focus because it's it's digital. So we are able to reach everybody wherever.
0: okay. and and is that obviously why you chose to go online?
1: Yeah, that's the reason why we chose to go online. And because uh, we, we we have only started, so printing would be much more um mm. expensive, especially because we don't have with with um, the financial program that we have, we don't have that much finance. And so we, that's why we decided to go digital because in that way we are
0: able to reach a lot of people and
1: it's also cheaper to get out.
0: Mm, that's a fantastic thing about digital and online these days. Yeah. Steffi, how did you how did you end up um, starting a, a, a magazine, an online magazine? What is your, a bit of your background? Well, when
1: I was doing my final year in varsity, I had to do an internship to graduate. And it became More than I I had expected. I mean, looking for an internship, it actually became a nightmare. Because I spent, like, more than a year looking for an internship. It actually, it took me a while. Okay. And, yeah, and even after I found um, an internship, after doing the internship, I still found it very hard to get a permanent job. So uh, instead of just sitting and doing nothing, I freelanced for a couple of publications until yeah until somebody started a magazine and they asked me to come and write for them and because i was like after a while writing the magazine alone i actually realized that i can actually do this on my own i mean if i can write a magazine the whole magazine for somebody maybe i should try and and be on my own so it's it, Part of the reason why I started it, and I, I also wanted to help people looking for internships to graduate because it's actually sad that you have all your subject, your subjects, and then you struggle to find that one thing that will make you graduate. Mm.
0: So is that what, you know your experiences there as as a young person trying to find work and as a young girl as well? Is that what led you yeah. to start Dream Girls Outreach Program? What what's that all about?
1: Yeah, well. Gym girls is actually something that is very close to my heart. So it's an initiative by the Dead Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, though the project started sometime last year in, in Jo'burg, we have just launched uh, the Lumpopo One at a school called Kaiso in Sejeo, where we have adopted 20 girls between the ages of 15 and 18. Um, basically what the gym girls are. We are a group of young female professionals between the ages of 20 and 35 with the aim to empower teenage girls from disadvantaged communities to reach their full potential by providing them with things like support, guidance, encouragement to attend uh, institutions of higher learning so that they can lead great lives and also break the cycle of poverty in their homes.
0: What are the unique issues, um, or maybe not so unique issues, facing women, uh, especially young women in Mpupo, do you believe, Tsepi?
1: It's teenage pregnancy okay you know we have we have a lot of girls falling pregnant i don't know if it's, it's basically because they don't have people to talk to, like you know you know like when when you're a teenager and even if you have a sister, sometimes it's, it's very difficult to talk to somebody of your own, mm. so what we are trying to do is be big sisters to this girl because I know with me, I, I grew up with an older sister, but I still even at my age, I still find it difficult to talk to her about certain things because there's just that boundary that she's my older sister.
0: Mm-hmm. You, need, you need somebody who, who is going to be sort of a neutral, safe space that can give you advice.
1: Yeah. Did you grow up in Limpopo? Yeah. Okay. The, the school that we have adopted it's in limpopo it's in Fishero. at at um a place called Fishero, okay. just outside um polokwane
0: and you and you stayed in you've stayed in limpopo
1: no i don't stay in limpopo i'm here but i go to limpopo for this workshop because of course we have like workshops um once a month okay where we we catch up with, with the mentees, and we also organize like um Wellness programs for them, goal settings, and we where we call like um, motivational speakers who also help with with education. And so you're we're not just helping them with with the education part of it; we're also helping them through our life type of thing.
0: Okay, Tepi, um, where can people find more information if they'd like to connect with you in terms of Dream Goals Outreach Program?
1: When when um, if people want to, we uh, we have a. Uh, Dream Girls SA on on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, and they can they can also email me so that because um, we're also looking for sponsorships and and stuff because what we do is we are young people with no funding at all.
0: Okay, so you yeah, trying support.
1: to yeah trying to help the kids. So we are still looking for sponsorship in whatever way they can help, be it products or if somebody wants to come talk to the girls. Those type of things. Okay. And and what is your email address? It's Tepy is T S H E P Y. Mhm. At AfricaLifestyle.co.za.
0: AfricaLifestyle.co.za. Brilliant. I will give those details out in just a bit. Tepy, thank you so much for joining us and sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you so much, Kim. Keep well. Ciao. <laughs> That was well, Seppi Matlocha. She's editor and co-founder of Africa Lifestyle Magazine, and as you heard there, she's the founder of Dream Girls Outreach Program. And if you want to join them on Twitter, they're Dream Girls sa, Or you can email her at sepi at africalifestyle.co.za. And don't forget, if you'd like to be a mole for us in terms of uh, what we heard a little bit there about Limpopo from tepi, uh, as you could be a woman's news hound in your part of the country. Let us know otherwise at safm.co.za. Or send us a message on our Facebook page, Otherwise on SAFM. Otherwise on SAFM. Well, next, a woman who has been recognized for all the hard work she's put in over the years in film, television, and theater. She's Marilyn van Rurenen, and she was recently acknowledged by the South African Film and Television Association with a Lifetime Achievement Award. So a big congratulations to her, and she's on the line to tell us how it all began. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, how are you doing? What a
2: remarkable young woman you've just had on your program. I know,
0: isn't it fantastic to hear Yes, it is. It's brilliant.
2: Young people
0: You are yeah. inspired. I know, it's fantastic. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. For being honored for 30 years of exceptional contribution to film, television and theater. Was this always the plan, this, this career path of yours? <laughs>
2: um, not really. Um, I think in the beginning, um, I was just uh, somebody who didn't really... Understand fully where they fitted into the world, and sort of wondered, oh my God, what did I do, and that sort of thing. And my parents said, well, why didn't you go and teach something? And then I thought, no, better needs to be a bit alternative. And hmm. I thought I was going to go into alternative education. So I, I signed on at the university at UCT at Drama School to do a teachers course. Um, okay. To do, maybe do something else with my life, and it was when I was there that I actually fell in love with the theatre. I discovered it for the first time, and realised that um, this is where I belonged. You know, in the world of entertainment, and um, it just moved from there, from um, acting into directing, into writing, from theatre into um, a bit of film and television, and quite a lot of television. Mm.
0: You, um, I mean, 30 years ago, we're talking that you you started. And those early days were were part of quite a difficult era in South Africa. How how has that time shaped you and and your career?
2: Well, um... In fact, um, if I have to be honest, it goes back a little further further than than even 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I I made a stand when I finished at UCT that it would be very difficult for me to um, work in the... Existing theatre uh, establishments as they were at the time and um, I went overseas for about um, Nearly a year just to look and learn and understand What else is going on in the world and I, and by the time I came back to South Africa mm-hmm. the space theater had been formed um, in Cape Town by Yvonne Bryceland and Apple Fugard and um, one of the first uh, couple of brilliant actors that came into workshop with Apple were John Carney and Winston Chona, And this is the theatre that I chose to work in because I felt that it was the only justifiable place at that time that I could work mm. So um I worked um, in a struggle theater um, we did all sorts of stuff um, to keep ourselves going and to keep ourselves alive committed stuff um, mm-hmm. experimental stuff, and then sometimes just shared straightforward entertainment to make sure that we got people into the into the theater so it was a it was a, an interesting um endeavor and then i from there I moved on and went overseas again in seventy six I left the country because i just felt at the time that I couldn't find my place in it and um, I was abroad for four years and um, with a South African passport was eventually I had to come back mm-hmm. and that was when I decided well if I'm going to be here then I must try and do um, stuff that I felt was worthwhile again and stuff that I felt could make a difference well, in people's lives so that's when I started writing.
0: So just a little bit back what kept bringing you back to South Africa?
2: Well, mm. I mean, it's because it's the best place in the mm. whole world, you know, and this is the, um, our voice is here, mm. and it's very difficult. To be, I think the important thing with travel is it really shows you where you fit in, mm. and I've traveled a lot, and I love it because it gives me perspective, and I learn so much, but on each of those journeys, I understand that my voice is here, and, and this is where my energy belongs because this is why I feel I can contribute something.
0: And you said that when you when you came back to South Africa, that's when you started to write. Yes. you can do that transition from from actress to writer to director. I mean, there's there's a whole plethora of things that go on there. Can can you easily move between those different roles?
2: You know, I think the most extraordinary thing is when you're young is that there are no barriers. You know, you um, in acting we did a lot of improvisation, and so you naturally find that you're creating a script. Um, which is coming out of your head, you're not necessarily writing it down at that stage, but you understand then that you have the ability to create from a grassroots level. And so I guess it gets tucked away on the back burner, and then you become interested in the more global uh, vision of of the entertainment industry. So you think, oh, directing, I'd love to imagine. Mm. Oh, yeah, that would be great. And you start mm. getting ideas about, you know, what you'd like to do. And then I think the writing thing for me was, again, a natural discipline, natural development, um, I did go to the Australian Film School for uh, to do a course in television script writing there, which was incredibly helpful. I'd, I'd written theatre stuff before, but it kind of again just gave me a different um, view on things. And I came back and, um, and then I started, well, not immediately, but then I started writing for television. Okay.
0: Yeah, so, te- Theater, film and, and, and TV to a certain extent as well, I mean, television, uh, they, it has the power to reflect the, the state of society. Yes. Uh, how do you see this playing out in, in contemporary South Africa?
2: Well, you know, I think um, television and film, all of it really is exactly that. It It is by nature, it reflects society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's it's our choice as writers and creative people in this country as to what we're going to highlight um, about about that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously people also need to be in, uh, entertained in a very, very v- valuable call for that. But there are deeper things and there are other issues which we, ha- we can re-examine now since the post-apartheid uh, society um, that we need to look at deeply, and I think people are starting to turn that way again, and reality television also became a huge um, mm. impetus in this country and all over the world, you know, people were mad for it, but I think that's kind of waning, and it looks to me as though people want a little bit, something a little bit more, and um, in greater depth. Mm.
0: And, and I mean, you've, you've watched theatre and film over the years, how yes. has how's women's roles changed in the industry, and what, what would you say a woman's role is now?
2: Well, um, it has it's, it's changed significantly, um, um, as you can. I mean, just just by the nature of the movies and and TV things that are, are made the same. But that's all like up there on a stage or on a screen. I think there's still huge work to be done in the the, the sort of business side of it and the political side of, of women's positions within our society and within the business. And I think people just have to move forward and demand it and make their presence felt you know like your the person you were interviewing earlier she's making a difference she's making a change and people will they will all be, always be those people and there are heroines and and they must just keep keep going and it will happen Um, and I think women need to be more in control of the industry as such which they're not really at the moment.
0: Mm. I mean you brought up Sepia as well and she was speaking very much about mentorship being an important, uh, playing an important role in young women's lives. Yes. Who were your mentors?
2: Well, I... Funny enough, at um, at that stage in my life, um, initially in the theatre, I did have a, a, a wonderful mentor called Moira Fine, who was a woman who worked at the Space Theatre, who um, encouraged me hugely to write and to do other work and um, sort of helped um, me to get those productions on the go, as did John Slim and at the... Um, Back to TSN Cape Town at that stage, mm-hmm. um, and then coming out to Johannesburg, Roberta Durant was was a woman who, who because of work I'd done in comedy, drew me into uh, sitcoms, um, you know, for TV, and I worked on Going Up and SOS and um, various other uh, productions with her. Um, so those were my mentors, and um, Dumont Lovo, who I'm working with now in Mafango. Carol Shaw, the head writer, Pamela Parr, we've got young writers, Patu and Woody, and they're all so inspirational, and they're all our mentors. You know, they don't have to be somebody necessarily older. It can be somebody younger who's teaching somebody older.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's such an yeah. important thing to yeah. to realize. Mentorship and inspiration work together, actually.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So,
0: I mean, you obviously love what you do, but there's always something uh, about the job that you that you do that, that's a little bit difficult. But what have been the challenges for you?
2: Um, I think uh, the challenges are... It's maintaining the belief in yourself mm. um, and the understanding that um, you have something to give because people are responding to it. You know, I think if you're out there and you've got a talent and you believe you have a talent and it's not being responded to and nobody's sort of focused <laughs> at all, um, you know, nothing, nothing sort of giving after a couple of years, maybe you you might be in the wrong business. But if you're getting response to it, you know you've got something. I think the challenge is to keep going because we don't yet have the huge rewards, but it's changing. It's all changing. The huge financial rewards um, that other countries have, and certainly it has. It's changed hugely in, in the last 20 years. Mm. The, you know the industry is being recognized our television has grown enormously um, because it's obviously opened out to a much broader market and and it's inclusive of everybody in South Africa and that's why it's grown so much so um, that's the challenge of to keep the standard up Mm -hmm. um, and to keep you know striving for that excellence I think that is the challenge really.
0: And just very quickly I mean you've done so much what's still on the list?
2: <laughs> um I've got there There's something I've got sticking away in the back of my mind um which is something that I would like to create as a platform for um performers and the arts which I'm, I'm working on So I can't give too much of it away but um, watch this space okay.
0: <laughs> we'll keep an eye on you well thank you so much for sharing your story with us Marilyn and congratulations oh, again
2: and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity thank you. Ciao. thank you, ciao Bye.
0: that was Marilyn van Rienen who recently was awarded or acknowledged by the South African Film and Television Association with a Lifetime Achievement Award still to come after the news headlines, women and shopping online and in-store. But it's just gone 1.30, and it's time for the news headlines with a sun. Well, taking two looks at women and shopping now, in a minute we talk to Aki Kaliatakis, who uh, we're talking to him about what makes or breaks a shopping experience. But first, the new CEO for the retail giants, Kalahari.com. Karin Gensler Kapez joins us uh, online. Hi, Karin. Hello, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Fine, thank you. Good, good. Well, first, as the new CEO um, of kalahari.com, maybe just give us a sense of your vision for for the site. I'm very excited to join Kalahari right now
3: because as you you know and as you introduced me right now, Kalahari is a pioneer in online shopping in South Africa and uh, online e-commerce is just going... Uh, broad and going mass market. So, joining right now and bringing this to even a broader uh, customer base and making this even more exciting is – I'm very excited about that.
0: Mm. But South Africa's got a unique challenge. I mean, access to the Internet is, is uh, limiting or limited in South Africa. How do you, do you plan on, on facing this challenge going forward? So,
3: as you point out, it was really amazing to see how expensive broadband access is in South Africa. And we've seen some price cuts recently, and I really hope for for everyone uh, to have easier access and more cheaper access sometime soon. And the other one is a high mobile penetration, which is much higher than actually in, in, in developed countries even. So, this is another way for for people to go online and Mm -hmm. to be able to shop online. So that's very exciting too.
0: So you are seeing online shopping as becoming more popular in South Africa?
3: Yes, definitely. We see that, and you can also hear that from feedback you're getting. I think especially the last uh, festive season, Christmas season, you could see on, on Kalahari, especially, we had a great festive season, and people trying it out and seeing how convenient and what, what broad selection you could have there, and uh, have stick to it since. So um, I expect the next festive season to be even bigger and people getting more and more used to buying online and experience that great experience.
0: When we, when we think shopping, we usually, or we seem to think, women. I mean, who, who is your main target? Is it women in South Africa? Is that a true assumption?
3: So that's a very interesting question, because uh, online shopping
0: uh,
3: was originally like, in the very beginning it was, actually quite uh, male-driven, but we see it more and more that uh, women are coming online uh, and and shop online. And at Kalahari, it's even more than the ha- half of our com- customers are female now. And you can see the advantages of that. It's very convenient. It's very safe. And it's huge selection and very good prices. So... Uh, women are definitely uh, finding their way
0: online. I mean, it, it's, it's probably a really good solution for for um, moms specifically.
3: Oh yes, I mean, speaking as a working mom of two small uh, girls, uh, I can t- just underline that I got used to do almost all on uh, shopping online, and it's such such a convenient experience and saves me so much time. And, I mean, if you have a few minutes left at night or whenever you find some time, it's just the perfect way to get things done very quickly. So, yes, I would underline that.
0: So, what are the challenges uh, bringing women on board specifically? I mean, what kind of things do you find prevent women from trusting the online shopping space?
3: So, I think for everyone who, who learns to to find their way around online, it's, it's getting trust in the experience. But... Um, I think every customer that comes to Kalari and women specifically like it to be very convenient, easy to find, and easy to, to check out and to pay. Um, but that's not only true for women; that's true for everyone. But mm-hmm. specifically, we want to make our experience as easy and convenient as possible. And that, of course, especially if you're time constrained, also um, appeals a lot to women.
0: Mm. And also, you know, it can be quite overwhelming, This the technology era and having to sit down and think of, of purchasing things online. What exactly do you, maybe just a sort of step-to-step thing, what, what do you exactly need to shop online? So actually you need
3: access, definitely. That's mm. the first thing. Yeah. And then... Um, Um, We also see that women use more and more tablets. Uh, Tablets are very well-selling on on Kalahari, too, uh, because this is a very convenient way to start browsing and start to find the things you're looking for. And then uh, what you need other than that is uh, just either uh, a payment method, and that either would be a credit card, but you can also do EFT, for example, or use other online payment methods like pay you, et cetera, to, to pay online, and then you just need to have an address ready where you can get your parcel delivered to door-to-door via courier. Um, so this is the only things you need to go and shop online.
0: Mm. Uh, you just said you use courier um, services. How does that affect the, the cost of things that you purchase on, on uh, com?
3: So actually, we have free shipping from uh, 250 rand upwards. So um, there, you will, will be, this will be free of charge for you. So um, it's very convenient service, and it won't cost you a lot to do that. Mm.
0: You just said that uh, tablets seem to be one of the most popular items that that women are buying. What other popular items are on, or the most popular items on Kalahari?
3: So actually, our best-selling product was our e-reader. Uh,
0: Gobi, um,
3: especially over festive, because the other thing we're selling, we're not only selling physical books, but also e-books, which is very convenient because you will have it immediately. Like if you if you want to read a book, you can just download it and start reading. And the Gobi reader is a very, very um, attractive, cost attractive way to do that. It's 7.99, and you even have a voucher in it for 160 rand, and then you can start downloading box whenever you want to do that. So actually this was our best-selling product over the last month and not only on Festive. Okay.
0: And just lastly, do you have any tricks or tips when, when shopping on, online? What, what to look out for?
3: So what, especially talking as a mom again, mm. what I enjoy is a lot shopping on Calari, especially is, is toys and the baby section that we recently introduced. Because it's hard to find nice things online, actually, in that, that area. And there are just some great stuff to browse about. And, and if you try to find something special for your kids, um, this is an area I would point to specifically and which I enjoy personally.
0: Mm. I think also one of the things that's nice about online shopping is that you can compare prices quite easily um, on items.
3: Oh, yes. That's the the other big advantage next to being very convenient, that you have a broad selection and you you get great prices online, definitely.
0: And just just personally, are you enjoying working in the South African online space coming from overseas? I know you've worked on many different uh, projects overseas. Are you enjoying it being here in South Africa? Oh,
3: yes, it's very excited, exciting. I was amazed on how good the team and how experienced the team was that I found here. So it's very much fun to work with the team. And also, as I said, the market is just uh, evolving, developing very nicely. So it's an
0: exciting time to be here. So, yes, very much so. A very inspiring space. Thank you so much for shedding some light on the online shopping. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Karen. Keep well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, as you heard, if you want to buy a tablet or any of the e-readers or any other uh, popular items, that you can find it on kalahari.com. And we were speaking there with the new CEO for retail giant kalahari.com. She's Karin Gensner-Capares. Well, finally, having discovered the joys of online shopping, you may turn your back on the traditional malls. But then again, if the experience were really good, you might not. Aki Kaliatakis is Managing Partner of the Leadership uh, Launchpad, and he's got some feedback on a research uh, study that was called WOW, a study of great retail shopping experiences in North America as it relates to South Africa here. And we have him on the line. Hi, Aki.
4: Good afternoon, Kim, and thank you for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Well, let's just uh, start maybe with a bit of background to this research and also the Leadership Launchpad.
4: Well, um, obviously there's lots and lots of studies that happen all over the world uh, because uh, retailers in particular are always looking for whatever advantage they can get. But this particular one was a very broad one, mostly done in the United, uh, in Canada, in North America, but also in the UK. And it was done quite intensely, and eventually they came to the conclusion that there were at least 28 different elements that led to a great uh, shopping experience. What was important, though, is that uh, – as a retailer, whether you're a large or a small retailer, um, you need to probably do about 10 of these things. And I'll give you some examples later mm-hmm. on, but you need to do at least 10 of these things to make sure that customers uh, work, uh, you know, go, go, go out of the store with a good, positive feeling. So, you know, to create the the perfect storm, so to speak, uh, you need to have at least 10 of these elements. So the examples, um, are, you know, in, were in a number of broad areas, okay, um, mm-hmm. but they included, obviously, the engaging with the customer interacting so it's things like the greetings and the offer to help interestingly uh, just a, something as simple as a smile becomes incredibly important um, there was some research that came out of uh, Henley in the UK uh, done by Professor Moira Clock and she discovered that when people smiled in a retail environment sales increased by an average of around 43% but um, if people didn't smile but were just wearing a smiley badge you know those nice little badges people wear on their chest that sales increased by 23% so it seems like it's a very instinctive thing. Uh, thing. So there's obviously the engaging with the customer and the how are you and your child is beautiful mm. of course there's also getting the basics incredibly right mm. things like making sure there's a nice stock on board, um, executing um, is the, the nice academic term, term for it but it's about giving explanations, advice, uh, making sure that everything's where it's supposed to be easy to reach. You know I have uh, for example, a short mom, and uh, what happens is that it's impossible for her to reach the stuff on the uh, on the top shelves, but also as an older person, it's impossible for her to bend down and get the, the bottom shelf stuff, so we need to make sure that's right. Um, the brand experience plays a role, of course, the look and feel, the music that we play, you know, exciting design that always changes. One thing I picked up in my research was that um, Marks and Spencer, the, the key branch in Oxford Road in London, they change the window displays five times a day five times a day wow. because they're saying you're going to walk past in the morning and then you're going to walk past in the evening on your way back from work so how do they attract it so you know the, the, the consistently great uh, product quality then enhanced by the look and feel okay. and then of course because we're all short of money and short of time um, we like to feel like we got a good deal somewhere so something that makes customers feel they got something for nothing or a little discount here and there mm. it doesn't have to be big but the perception that you did something helps and we 're all of course short of time, so expediting things, getting customers out there as quickly as possible, uh, obviously are critical so so those four areas the the engagement of the customer, the getting the basics right, the experience of the brand the, the the look and feel, and then the the speed those are on the list. Of course, sometimes things will go wrong, and then the fifth category was the issue of um, how do we recover from problems. And in Mm -hmm. South Africa, this is where we fall really short because we, you know, too much testosterone, I think, and what tends to happen is we find saying sorry incredibly difficult, but uh, it's almost counterintuitive. The moment you acknowledge that a customer is unhappy and you apologize to them, even if it's not your fault. Um, it has the opposite effect of what we think. We think, oh, no, if, if I bring this up and if I say to them, I can see how angry you are, then it's going to make them worse. Mm. But, in fact, the opposite is true. The, the empathy and the acknowledgement is what customers love. And, in fact, what they fight is when we, we're not prepared to accept responsibility. And there are tons and tons of case studies of the kinds of things that go wrong when we aren't prepared to uh, to acknowledge that there's a problem. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so the study in general was done in North America
4: and and in the UK and yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And
0: just yeah.
4: We we're, we're closer to the UK. The the figures there that said uh, that you know somewhere around twenty. 25% of um, customers in the UK actually walked out of retail experiences feeling that it was really kind of a wow experience. Awesome. Our numbers are in that area. Um, in Canada, it was uh, actually much higher than that.
0: So, have you done any research here in South Africa?
4: Uh, the research has been done, but yeah. the problem in South Africa is because it's highly competitive, it's usually done on behalf of one of the large retailers, and what happens is they then don't want to publish the results because of the, uh, for obvious reasons, they don't want their competitors to get uh, going. I've had involvement with one of the large retailers. Um, I'm not going to mention who mm-hmm. they are, but uh, they've discovered that uh, it's always, always the simple things rather than the complicated things. In other words, they have discovered that they don't have to spend a fortune um, to, you know, get things automated and computers and automatic ordering and so on, Mm. that in reality, um, the the so-called 10 golden rules that they have of their process, um, which they almost brainwash into the staff. And the golden rules include, you know, hello and goodbye, say hello and goodbye and say thank you and walk the customer to the item that they're looking for and look at the expression on their face and, you know, dress neatly. So by focusing on those really basic elements of what it's like and then occasionally doing something special. Um, I'll, I'll just give you one example of something that was special. A customer bought in a cake and said that they'd spelt her daughter's name wrong, but the party was in an hour's time. So uh, they said, no, no, no problem. We'll fix this thing. So where's the cake? No, it's at home. So the manager got into his car, followed the customer home, and discovered it wasn't even his cake. But they fixed it nevertheless. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said, by the way, we didn't sell you this. Um, and the lady said, but I, I'm, I'm sure I must have got it from you. Where are you from? And he said, well, we're from ABC. And she said, oh, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But as a result of that experience, and, and I guess she felt a sense of obligation. Mm. What happened is he fixed it up, and he fixed up the icing, and you know made it really nice. What happened is now she vowed that she was going to go back again. So she actually goes out of her way to go and shop at uh, at this particular retailer, and they collect hundreds of stories like this, and they share them with the staff to to give the staff an idea of what it is they're looking for you know you're not just a a shelf packer actually you're an ambassador and things like that so that makes a tremendous difference and the word spreads obviously Mm, it's
0: that human element I suppose oh
4: absolutely absolutely and you know in today's world I mean I have utter respect for Kalahari.com and I'm one of their clients your previous guest and Mm. you know it offers convenience a great price uh, comparisons all of the things that Corin mentioned Um, but there are times when because I feel uh, I'm in a dehumanized world I'm in a world where I feel alienated by yes. call centers and SMSs bombarding me and, you know, somewhere between three and 4,000 adverts per day and so on. What happens, okay, is that when a company does pay attention to me, then I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's as simple as, you know, my local Italian restaurant knows who I am. And when I go in there, she says, well, I know what you're having. You mm-hmm. know, I, don't, I know you don't have to order. And, mm-hmm. you know, she welcomes me warmly and shouts across restaurant and it's just nice to feel part of the family Mm -hmm. so there's a balance between the convenience of the, the, the online shopping and the personalization and customization Of the live experience Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm interested in how this research is This kind of research is conducted Is there a focus on women I mean is that assumption that, sh- that shopping Just immediately goes with women Is
4: that still yeah, true Yeah. When it comes to retail um, the, you know there's a, there's a large majority of women that go So yeah you'll find your occasional guys Go to you know buy some clothes and so on The shopping experience by the way is completely different But if you take a look at uh, I, I can share um, Tesco's research in the United uh, Kingdom. Tesco is an incredibly successful retailer there. They have, for example, discovered that they work with 20,000 different segments, okay? Mm -hmm. So they have 20,000 different groups of customers. And what happens then is they'll say, well, this person may, on the surface, you know, we say superficially it's a woman and she's a mother of two and she lives in this suburb. But then they start looking at other information and they say things like you are what you eat and they're able to pick up the patterns um, of, you know, people. And, you know, for example, Oh, one of the things that Tesco's knows is that the average diet in the United Kingdom uh, lasts for 18 days. So the moment they pick up a change in your buying patterns, they then start encouraging you. So the first thing they do is they send you an SMS and saying, hey, you know, forgive us if we're wrong, but it looks like you're on a diet and good luck and, you know, think of yourself on the beach this summer and then they start sending you specials and information. And that sounds Otherwise, very Big brotherish to me. <laughs> and, uh, absolutely. And I think it's used mm-hmm. in, a, in a in a positive way. But, the reality is, Kim, that Big Brother's watching us already. You yeah. know, um, in our country, we have situations where, you know, for example, some airlines uh, know that you're going to be booking on 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 a computer. They then put a cookie on your computer. Um, And the next time you go on to actually do the booking, the price just went up because they know that you were interested in this flight. Um, One of the internet companies uh, claims on their website that they don't don't throttle you when you get to the end of the month on your, your download speed. But I know that this particular internet provider Come the twenty fourth, twenty first of the month, um, I have zero access to uh, to Google. Interestingly, my emails come through right. Interestingly, my bank is fine, but the moment I go onto Google, it doesn't even let me get onto Google. And when I eventually went and challenged them in their shop, they put a silly grin on their face and they said, "Well, why don't you go uncapped? so they're using this to manipulate us so there's no doubt that that happens but when for example i'm on a diet and somebody sends me an sms saying hey here's a great vegetarian curry recipe it's fine it i might can live be with useful. yeah Absolutely. so if it's used uh, non manipulatively if for example i'm on a diet and i am overweight and i'm am dieting at the moment but if on day 16 if they know that you know in all likelihood on day 18 i'm going to give up if i get a little sms saying come on we know it's tough but you know go for it yeah. uh, then then That's good. Then I don't mind that uh, Big Brother is watching me because Big brother's watching me anyway. You know, that, that's it. Yeah.
0: Okay, can people access this research? Uh,
4: yes. Um, the, the research was done. Um, I'm just looking in my notes over here. You've also written uh, an
0: article, I believe. Y-
4: y- yeah, and and yeah, I did write an article for a magazine called um, uh, Supermarket and Retailer. Um, but um, what uh, the, the research was done uh, by, I'll tell you now, Wharton Business School in Canada. Uh, please forgive me. Um, we'll, we'll in fact, if people just type into Google "discovering wow," exactly. discovering wow, a study of great resale shopping experiences, they'll get through to the uh, website. Okay, and we'll pop uh, it up on our Facebook page as well. That'll be brilliant. Yeah.
0: Aki, thank you so much for it's much pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Keep well. Okay.
4: Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: That was Aki Kaliotakis, who's Managing uh, Partner of the Leadership Launchpad, talking on research called WOW, so you can Google it as a study of great retail shopping experiences in North America. Well, that's it from otherwise today, but up next, it's Shop Shop's children's program.